0: Matthew 5, verse 17 through 20, these are God's words. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Since Jesus has equated uh, being persecuted for righteousness with being persecuted for his sake, And not only currently at the bottom of the hill where he is uh, teaching, preaching to his disciples up on the hill, there are a festival of Jews gathered, but uh, coming up in his earthly ministry, he's especially going to be opposed by the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes who are especially proud of knowing the Hebrew Bible, and the Pharisees who are especially proud of doing the Hebrew Bible the Lord Jesus now clarifies for his disciples that when he talks about being persecuted for righteousness sake, meaning being persecuted for his sake, he is not at all uh, disagreeing with or opposing the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible uh, comes to us and uh, at that time came to them in uh, three main sections, the law, the prophets, and the writings, and uh, sometimes was um, referred to by the simple abbreviation, the law and the prophets. <clears throat> so that when he says here, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Uh, he's saying, I did not come, uh, to eliminate, destroy, provide an alternative to uh, anything in the Hebrew Bible. He says, I came to fulfill. It's the same religion, uh, that there has, been ever since God began revealing himself to man ever since God um, revealed his will especially for the redemption of sinners especially in the gathering uh, of the children of Abraham Isaac and Jacob to himself uh, as a church nation is the same religion all the way through now there are things that are promised to happen and needed to happen and Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises and Jesus Uh, succeeds and does what is necessary where Israel had failed. And so there is a superseding or an obsoleting there. And that's something that the Bible teaches us to expect. Uh, Moses himself, one of the great last things he said was that the Lord would raise a prophet up from uh, among their brethren, uh, a prophet like he, a prophet who would replace him. And that when, when the Lord did raise the great prophet to come, uh, up, that they should listen to him. A very similar statement that Moses makes, uh, about, about the prophet to come and the end of Deuteronomy, uh, as God himself announces from heaven at the Mount of Transfiguration, which, by the way, on the Mount of Transfiguration, I think it's, um, in the Luke's account, it tells us that Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about his. In English translations, will say things like uh, departure or decease. Uh, but it's literally the, the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew word Exodus. Uh, they were talking to him about his Exodus. He is the prophet who was to come. Uh, and also in Hebrews 7, the scripture says, you know, when there's a change in priesthood, there's a change in law. The ceremonial law and the civil law with it, because Israel was a church and a state, was intimately tied up with um, the Aaronic priesthood and the line of Aaron and all of the uh, all of the instructions for how to draw near to God through the provision that was made in the time of that priesthood. That's why whenever I run into a theonomist, I ask him about the cities of refuge and the high priest's death, um, just following the... Instruction in, in Hebrews 7 it says, where there's a change in priesthood, there's a change in law. You know, the Levitical priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, is done with. Uh, and the ceremonial law uh, that belonged to that priesthood is done with, but not because Jesus has destroyed it, but because all of those things looked forward to Christ. He is the great high priest. <clears throat> and also the priesthood of Melchizedek taught us about Christ, which we also have in the in the book of Hebrews. But the Ascension uh, offering, coming near by Ascension, that definitely looks forward to Christ, especially if you just translate it literally and so forth. So there are things that are uh, fulfilled in terms of um, obsoleting them because they were the shadows of which Christ is the real thing. But they were the shadows. They weren't unrelated to Jesus. Jesus is their fulfillment. You're actually celebrating them better by coming to God through faith in Christ and coming through the veil uh, by his once-for-all sacrifice and, and so forth. There are other things that Jesus uh, fulfilled because they were required and no one else could do them, and he did them. Obeying perfectly in our place, suffering the wrath of God to take away the guilt of sin, which the blood of bulls and goats could never take away or else they would have ceased to be offered. But they were offered year after year. Jesus was, Jesus offered himself once for all. And so there are things Jesus fulfills by having done them himself this Especially ties to our justification, how you are made right with God is not at all by what you do. It is by faith, and it is by faith alone, only what Jesus has done. And faith itself, then, is not a work. It is the abandoning of our doing to depend only, rest only, hope only, in who he is and what he has done. So this is what he has come. Jesus is the great fulfiller. But there is more yet that needs to be fulfilled because not only do we need to be made right with God so that we have um, we have possession of the kingdom, right to the kingdom, citizenship in the kingdom. But we also need to be made righteous in our character and our conduct if we are going to enter the kingdom. You can see uh, in this passage, verse 17 through 20, as he's teaching the disciples about life as subjects of the kingdom in this world, uh, they have the kingdom already. We made that point in verse 3 and verse 10. Uh, both of those use the present tense over against all of the other Beatitudes, which use the future tense for the blessing. Uh, they shall be, they shall inherit, they shall, etc., obtain. But verse 3 and verse 10, theirs is the kingdom, theirs is the kingdom. And So we are already uh, the disciples uh, of the Lord Jesus, those united to him by faith, justified, right with God, Through him, by faith, are already in possession, they belong to the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to them. But notice verse 20, they have not yet entered the kingdom. Justification gives you a right to the kingdom, but it must always come with sanctification, and it will. Because remember, this is a passage especially about how Jesus is the fulfiller of all. It's not like, now that you're justified, you better get sanctified or else you're going to lose your justification. No, of course, it's impossible. But the Christ who makes you right with God will always make make each one that he makes right with God righteous in character and conduct so that they can enter the kingdom to which they belong and which belongs to them, and so he is answering something here that is very similar to uh, when he said, "You are salt, so you better be salty, and not only you are light but you are light and." Your place has been assigned to you by God, and so shine in the place where he put you before the men uh, among whom he has selected, the specific men he has selected for you to shine among them. And, and now he says, and don't, whether it's the pressure that comes externally from others who, who, who do not like the commandments of God, or whether it comes internally from that remains in your flesh, do not resist the commandments of the law. So Jesus fulfills all the law, the prophets, and the writings. But here in his wisdom, he teaches us especially uh, about the not passing away. Uh, are the prophets ever going to pass away? Of course not. Are the uh, Before the heavens and earth pass away, of course the prophets won't. Well, the writings pass? No, of course not but it's especially the law and the commandments of the law, very specifically, verse 19, that we are tempted to set aside. Say, oh, well, Jesus obeyed them. They're fulfilled in that way. I'm justified. Wipe your hands and we're done. No. Jesus is not a partial savior. He doesn't justify without sanctifying and glorifying. And he's not a partial fulfiller. The commandments of the law continue to be fulfilled in our walking according to the righteous requirements of the law. There is a fulfillment that Jesus accomplishes in the sanctification of believers that comes through him that is ongoing. And it's that ongoing fulfillment then that he's speaking of in verse 18, because he's going to live obediently and die atoningly and rise almightily, But heaven and earth have not yet passed away. This heaven and this earth have not yet passed away. And so the law continues. Every Yod continues. Yod is a tiny little letter. It's very important. Of course, it's the first uh, letter in the name Yahweh. It's a letter that changes uh, uh, the tense of a verb from perfect to imperfect uh, throughout the, um, the entire Old Testament from a Completed action, whether in the present or usually in the past, to uh, an ongoing action uh, in the present or uh, generally or however, it's as important. A tittle is a very important tiny little stroke. It turns; it could turn a ration to a dalet, an r sound into a d sound. And of course, you, uh, as you can imagine, that uh, that gives words their meaning, but. Here, he's not so much talking about what the yod or the tittle does. He's saying the smallest stroke of his law is not going to pass away. You know, we continue to fulfill the ceremonial code in coming to God through Christ. If we come to God in any other way than he has commanded, now through Christ and his priesthood, it is just as much a violation of the religious law of God as Nadab and Abihu offering a fire that the Lord has not commanded. So if we come to him, particularly in the public worship, through anything other than the reading and preaching and singing, where Jesus sings his Father's praise in the middle midst of the assembly, where he declares his Father's name to his brethren, and we are not to refuse him who speaks from heaven, and the praying in which he always lives to intercede, and he commands us to come to his throne, which is for us not just a throne of glory, but a throne of grace, Uh, and the praying is consecrated by his blood, the supper and baptism which he uh, in his authority in heaven and earth uh, and as the great high priest uh, have instituted and commanded. And those are the only sacraments he instituted and commanded. If we uh, add any to them, then we we break his law. But then especially not just uh, the fulfillment of Uh, the ceremonial law which has been obsoleted and yet um, by that ceremonial law now that is in him we have a new ceremonial law as it were that that is consists of that which Christ himself leads from heaven as our great high priest he didn't come and cancel the Aaronic priesthood with those regulations and make it a free-for-all so now you know a billion priests can do whatever they want, and God will be happy with whatever we come up with. Which is insane. But then especially the, uh, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, as Sophia has been telling us these weeks. So whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so even among the disciples, there are those who, uh, whom we should not imitate and whom we should not listen to. They are least, they are immature, they're like babies. They have not grown much in wisdom or, or favor with God and, and favor with men. They're not qualified to be elders. We certainly hope that they aren't parents or that if they are parents, they had better mature quickly for the sake of their children. Okay, So there are those who are lesser and those who are greater. Greater in in the kingdom uh, does not mean those who are uh, more valuable or or who lord it over others, uh, who are more impressive in themselves no, greater in the kingdom are those who serve. The Lord Jesus is going to uh, to make this point again in chapter 20 and chapter 23. The uh, Apostle Paul makes this point about himself, to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Um, Hebrews 13 tells us to uh, remember those whom the Lord has set over us, whom the Lord uh, who spoke the word of the Lord to us, uh, and to imitate their faith, knowing the uh, the outcome of their conduct. And so the Lord Jesus says, uh, those who are great among you are those who are the servants among you, in chapter 20 and chapter 23. But here, he gives us a, a, another, an additional way of recognizing them. They do and teach to do the commandments of God. So if you run into someone who's an antinomian, they say, Jesus has obeyed the law in my place and and in your place, and you don't need to uh, obey the commandments of the law anymore, then you know Jesus told you that those people would be in the, there would be people like that in the kingdom. He just says, they're the least. They're not fit to be teachers. Don't model what they do. Don't listen to what they teach. However, those whom he is calling to the ministry, to service, which is what is greatness, they are the ones who not only rest in the Lord Jesus having done entirely uh, what is necessary in our behalf that we would be made right with God, but they are also ones who, by the, by the union with Christ and the life and mind and goodness of Christ being applied to them by Jesus' own Spirit, They love God's commandments and they don't do them merely in an outward way like the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees, they cared about the letter of the law. Why? Because the scribe was proud of how much he knew and the Pharisee was proud of how much he did. And so they would scrutinize the law to get the, the borders exactly correct and especially with the ulterior motive of Uh, of thinking of the law in a way that would approve of them and make them great. That's not the right way of the use of God's law. We do not scrutinize the law. The law scrutinizes us. And that's actually how Jesus is going to proceed in the rest of the chapter to show the right use of the commandments of God, showing how they go to our hearts, to our motivations, That even as we have his commandments in our interaction with other people, uh, we are remembering that that is an interaction with God himself who made those people. And not only does this, not only is this an important factor or a, not only is this a, a reality in the sanctification of a believer, verse 19, speaking especially to this life and uh, whom to imitate and whom to listen to as, uh, as those um, in whom uh, Jesus is is doing the sort of work that uh, that is a great example to us, but is also necessary to be completed in our glorification, verse 20. And verse 20 is not talking about possession of the kingdom now, belonging to the kingdom now, it's talking about entering it at last. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. How dreadful it will be to be stuck in the position of a scribe or a Pharisee to still be in that condition in the last day. To think uh, or to be impressed with how much you know the Bible as a scribe or to be impressed with how much you do the Bible as a Pharisee. And to arrive at the judgment and think that that which, uh, which you were impressed with and or that you would be commended for turns out to be that for which you are condemned. It was so far short of being worthy of heaven. It was actually worthy of hell, full of all kinds of error and lack of love to God and breaking of his law. So that his wrath burns hot against that which self-impressed men think that they will be praised for. And so certainly our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees on the last day. Not only the righteousness that gives us a right standing with God, but if we are going to live in the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, then we too have to be righteous in our character and our conduct. And so Hebrews 12 tells us, without holiness you will not see the Lord. First John 3 tells us, that it is only those who are pure who will be able to see him as he is, and those who hope thus purify themselves as he is pure. And Matthew 5, verse 20 says, Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to talk about our character and our conduct for the next 27 verses, with which he concludes, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And so, yes, our justification gives us a citizenship, a belonging to the kingdom. But if we are going to enter it at the last, when we are done with this life, then we will have to be perfectly holy on that day. And how will that happen? Well, Jesus, the great fulfiller. The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness, not if the souls of the believers by their death have achieved perfection. And yet, if you belong to Jesus the great fulfiller in your justification now, and Jesus the great fulfiller in your glorification then, then you must ought out of love to him and expression of your union with him, belong to Jesus the great fulfiller of the commandments of law in your sanctification now. This is something that just a few months ago uh, we came across in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, justification, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, sanctification. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's the same law, it's the same commandments. It's just in the believer's life, it is... Uh, It is being handled by the Spirit who is applying Jesus to us, who is applying the life of Jesus to us, has made me free from the law of sin and death. And they're not just God's commandments, which accuse me of sin uh, and condemn me to death. But in this case, you remember the law of sin or the law of death is referring to how uh, the flesh is still always with us. And yet it is not our master. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, so the commandments themselves could not do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. It's the same language Jesus is using here, isn't it? came to fulfill the law, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk. It's not justification, is it? Because it's talking about us and our walking according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so Jesus is the great fulfiller of the law. And one of the big parts of that fulfillment is his ongoing work right now in your life, in your sanctification, in your growing in understanding and obeying the commandments of his moral law, the Ten Commandments. And so let us continue to rejoice to belong to him and continue to respond to him according to his word as he has taught us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given to us to be yours in your Son. We pray that your Spirit would continue applying to us the life and righteousness of your Son that in, in him we might love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and uh, from our hearts also love our neighbor as ourself, uh, as defined by uh, the Ten Commandments. Thank you for speaking to us so clearly, so that when uh, those who would confuse us arise in the church and say differently, we would be able to recognize them as those who are least in the kingdom. Give us, we pray, humility to be servants of all. Give us, we pray, love and devotion to you, love for your law, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.